0: The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast, as is the case most weeks. Uh, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and I am joined again by Brian Joyner uh, after a week off last week for uh, a vet appointment at my house. Um, Brian, what's going on? How are you doing?
1: What a difference a week makes. Last week's yeah. pod would have been bleak.
0: We were talking about this before the show. If we had recorded last week, I think it would be much different vibes from this week, um, which is a good time to say that, as per usual, we are recording Tuesday afternoon. Uh, this is being recorded before, just before the first game of the doubleheader, so we're not going to talk too, too much about the state of the playoff race. I'm sure it'll come up at least a little bit, but um, it could go in a number of different ways between when we're recording and when... Um, The show actually comes out after playing two games against the Yankees. So uh, keep that in mind during this discussion. Uh, But I think, you know, from our perspective, the last time we saw the Red Sox, it was that sweep against the Orioles. And obviously the big story with the Red Sox right now and the big story of the weekend was Chris Sale returning. It feels like it's been a very long time and it has been and it was I think a, just a day over, two years since his last appearance. It felt even longer than that, but uh, Chris Sale was back at Fenway, and he looked quite good. Uh, did give up a couple of solo home runs, but those were the only runs he gave up in five innings. Struck out eight, didn't walk anybody. I mean, did did the way that Sale looked change your expectations for him for the rest of the season at all? Were Was there a little bit of... Uneasiness that maybe went away with the way he threw in that first game back?
1: Yes. <laughs> um, A lot of uneasiness <laughs> is gone. Everything everything we'd hoped for. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn to speak for you in this unless you disagree. Which, if you do, you should say now.
0: I do not. I mean, I think I was a little concerned coming into the start just because i mean obviously he is it's been such a long time off and even with the reports from rehab outings you never really know what it's going to be like when he first comes back um and the velocity wasn't like way up there he wasn't sitting 95 like he might have a few years ago but his velocity was right where it was in 2019 sitting at 93 ish um he did get up to 96 at least once it might have been a couple times um and the slider looked really good. He had a couple of garbage ones, but for the most part, they were down in the zone. They were going on the side of the plate to- in towards righties where he really wants them. Um, I mean, the stuff just looked exactly like you want it. Obviously, the elephant in the room with the start is that it was against the Orioles um, and against the Orioles without Cedric Mullins, who's their best hitter right now. Um so obviously the competition is going to get a little bit harder. It might not be quite this easy, but as far as a first start goes, it's re- it was really hard to set a better first impression. And I mean, I we did the roundtable last week um, talking about where Sal would rank the rest of the way. I didn't think he would be the best starter just because there's always that uneasiness coming back from Tommy John. If I were to do that again now after seeing the first start, I would probably put him at number one. Um, that's that's how good he looked, even considering the competition he was playing against
1: yeah but it also considers the competition and the rotation he would have and um i don't think that anyone right now could claim to to match up uh with even what he brought you know against a even for them just terrible Orioles team. Um, yeah, it's it's it is it was it's such a shot of adrenaline. Just an absolute, absolute shot of adrenaline. It's wonderful.
0: Yeah, it, I mean it really did change everything. And I'm gonna to get to the rest of the rotation in a second in the way that Sale might um, Sale might impact that. But I mean, to your point about that shot of adrenaline, obviously the Red Sox kind of needed that shot of adrenaline for a long time since basically since the trade deadline, uh, they went a couple of weeks where things like you said, were very, very bleak. Um, and even during all that, they were taking their time with Chris sale. They weren't rushing him back. Was that a mistake? Uh, they've gotten some criticism for that, especially the way he looked in that start. He certainly looked ready. Um, do you think they did the right thing by waiting so long or should they have pushed him back a little bit earlier and tried to maybe curb that, um, slide earlier than they did
1: i think the fact that he looked ready is an indication that they did the right thing i'm not the the absolute disaster scenario was would be rushing him back and him getting hurt again and we know he's an absolute psychopath and wants to pitch like short of max scherzer i don't know who's a like a crazier starting pitcher who's just like a insane competitor like him i do not i mean look i don't know but i do not take the fact that he looked ready um as an indication that he would have been ready earlier i think that I take it as an indication that their plan to have him ready at this time which is when we said forget what other people who are complaining about it. This is almost exactly when we said he would probably be back the whole year starting at the beginning. And if he, you know, but we had, the other thing is we had talked about him. Is he going to go three innings? Is he going to go four innings? If he's coming out and pitching a full starters workload, then, I, I mean, I have no complaints at all about that. Yeah, I thought
0: the criticisms were kind of weird, and as somebody who enjoys criticizing the Red Sox as much as the next guy, I'm, I'm always willing to throw some punches here. It just felt like people were reaching for a reason to complain, and it was understandable given the way things have been going. But, like you said, I think it's really impossible to know whether that last rehab start really um, pushed him that much further along maybe he could have done that in the majors the start before but I mean we know that it worked the way that they did it and like you said the worst possible thing that could have happened was him coming back too soon blowing out his arm trying to do too much too early and then that that's really the momentum killer for the season if sale had come back for one start and then went back down for the rest of the year that would have just deflated everybody so um i i think this this one it's hard to criticize the red sox i think obviously they've done some other things in the last month or so that are worth criticism but um they said all along they're going to be patient with sale it's not as much as important as this year is and as much as they shouldn't just be throwing away this year with sale it is about the long term too he's under contract for quite some time after this so they want to make sure that he's going to be good for the rest of the year and he's also going to be healthy as much as possible moving forward so um, I'm with you I think it would have been great to have him back earlier but you really needed to make sure he was ready both in terms of performance and just physically being able to make it through the workload so um, it was tough watching him in the minors I guess during that horrible stretch but um, they they did the right thing.
1: Uh, you would, yeah so you had well but oh, but but also and you mentioned it and I don't know if this was part of the calculation this was a rehab start the Orioles are I think not... that was part of the calculation too so this you know this works toward getting him full strength in more uh important games so i I have no I have no Quibbles with it. I mean, look, and I'm sure we'll talk about all this. If they had made a bigger splash at the deadline and didn't go through their little dip and were tied for first place and he came back right now, I don't think. Look, no, it's not that anybody wouldn't be saying anything. Of course, people are always going to complain. But us included. I don't have any problem with with how they handled this. Yeah,
0: I'm with it. And to your point about the competition level. Um, his next start is coming against Texas who is um, also quite bad and especially so since the deadline when they just absolutely traded anybody of any interest um, so that should be another another good time for him to keep building up for September when presumably there will be more difficult starts for him um, You had so you had mentioned the rest of the rotation and you had also mentioned the shot of adrenaline and I think that adrenaline or however you want to phrase it really impacts the rotation more than anything else i wrote about this um earlier in the week and sales a sale coming back affects the rotation in a couple of ways it pushes everybody down a slot and also i mean he's such a figure i mean he's a just such an important part of this rotation and everybody kind of looks up to him of him avaldi and Rodriguez especially are close they've obviously been in the rotation together for a few years now um how differently are you thinking about the rotation after his start and with Tanner Houck now joining the rotation on a full-time basis like I said we're recording this before Tuesday's start so he is starting um this afternoon, uh, yesterday afternoon, when you're listening to this, so we don't know how that goes. But are you? You mentioned the trade deadline and them not adding anybody. Are You feeling better about that now that um, Sale is back and everybody's sort of in more
1: appropriate
0: appropriate rotation spots.
1: I'm not feeling better about the trade deadline because I was already pricing in Chris Sale returning, and because of their the way the time, the timing of it, and how they were deliberate with it. Uh, I was cautiously optimistic that this, that the results we got would be the results um, that we were going to get. I mostly, my takeaway is I can't, I cannot believe they survived for this long with the rotation that they had (laughs) and and were as good as they were. Because when you see Sale, you're like, oh, this is what all the other good teams have, or like most of them have somebody like this. And then didn't have anybody like that. And they were at or near the top of the division the whole time. And I'm sort of like just wiping my brow being like, well, I'm glad that's over. I have no idea how that happened. So more, it's more of a relief than anything um, to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, the any criticism of the trade deadline obviously should have taken uh, sales return into account. And I will say, I think, if I remember correctly, both of us before the trade deadline said they didn't necessarily need a starter and a sales return and Helks eventually joining the rotation played a big part in that. My criticism of the deadline was more that they didn't do a better job of bolstering the bullpen. They didn't get an actual first baseman. Those... Those were bigger issues to me, maybe, than not getting a starter, although I obviously would have loved Max Scherzer or Jose Barrios. Um, but that said, I mean, I do feel differently about the rotation right now. I think you talked earlier about how they don't really have anybody that can pitch like Chris Sale, and you're right, but I think Eduardo Rodriguez and Nathan Avaldi are both, I mean, they're both pitching very well. Rodriguez, in particular, is on fire right now. Avaldi's been. Pretty good all year. He actually leads the American League in F4, which is not my favorite measure of pitcher performance, but it is notable. He has been very good by the peripherals all season. Um, he's also pitching tonight um, before this comes out. But I think with those guys as a two and three, it makes a lot more sense than as a one and two. Having Avaldi at the top of your rotation is scary. Having Avaldi as the number two, I think you can live with. Tanner Houck, I think the issue isn't so much his performance as performance is how many innings you're going to get you can live with getting five innings max from a number four starter more so than you can from a number two or three and then nick pavetta i mean he's obviously been all over the place this year which was super frustrating when he was at times the second best pitcher in the rotation but now that he's moved down to like a clear number five he's pretty much what you want from a clear number five a guy who can go out and give you great outings and he's also going to blow up sometimes and need the offense to pick him up so i think just it, it's hard to not overreact i guess to chris sale and i probably am overreacting a little bit but it just seems like the pieces fit into place so much better now and all of the issues of the rotation are not solved. All of these guys, including Chris Ayle, have concerns. I mean, Chris Ayle, like we said, he hasn't really faced a great lineup yet. He's still coming off injury. There's there's still some concern there, even if it's not as much. So, um, The rotation's not quite out of the woods, but I certainly feel better about it than I did even five days ago. Definitely better than I would have if we had recorded a podcast last week. I think my tone would have been a little bit different with this rotation.
1: Yeah, I'm really disappointed we didn't because it would have just been <laughs> the bottom. And that's where I live. That's where I feed. Um, I mean, these led in F-War for like months or at least he's been near the top. And that's because Red Sox, F at ref Red Sox FR, our friend, uh, our French Red Sox friend has banged the drumbeat on that. Uh, whether you like the stat or not being the top is, is good. And Eduardo Rodriguez, it's just, I know he's been pitching well, but it's just he's just exhausting yeah, and no, that is, fair. and it's exhausting, but it's when it's a luxury, not a luxury, but when, when him being good is a supplement to like the top of the, top of the rotation rather than like the actual meat and potatoes of it. It's, it's much easier to take. I mean, sale just reminds me of, um, the series when the, uh, warriors beat the clippers um in game seven of the first round like a couple years ago the year durant got, ended up getting hurt they were asking pat beverly and lou williams about you know did you try this did you try that and they sort of had to shut the questioning down and they like eventually lou williams like you know we're all professionals but there are just special special people and in sports there are just like even among the greatest athletes in the world and the sorry the greatest baseball players um there are people who are just who are just special and chris sale is without a doubt one of those people um and his it's his performance his attitude uh, everything ties together to have a rising tide aspect. I mean, I was looking, somebody retweeted the clip today of the world series where he was talking about Rich Hill and he's just yelling at the players. He's got two fucking pitches. He's got two fucking pitches. He's just, he's just fired up and he's just, he's a psychotic. Like winning machine. And that's, it's so neat to have him back. And I think that with Sale, honestly, because of his build and just the way he looks, he's, he's always every moment has always been precious. But now it's especially precious right now. Um, the same way it was in 2018. Where it's so much is on him and he wants that. And it's time to just get it on, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, it goes without saying, they needed that presence, not just his performance, but his presence, like you were saying, in the dugout, and his way to kind of fire people up. Um, He's been with the team, not all season, but for a lot of the season, Uh, but it's obviously not the same a guy who's just in not necessarily in street clothes, but obviously not playing in games and just kind of hanging out. He's more of a part of the team, not that he wasn't part of the team before, but he's actually in the games. He's It's a different feeling. So, I mean, that that motivation definitely... It definitely can't hurt. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have on Chris Sale. Obviously, he's going to be a big part of probably every episode the rest of the season. He's obviously... Uh, extremely important uh, but I wanted to move on to somebody coming back to the Red Sox uh, the Red Sox claimed Travis Shaw off waivers uh, over the weekend he was activated before Tuesday's doubleheader. header um, Shaw came up through the Red Sox system many people probably know but remember he was uh, traded after the 2016 season to the Brewers for Tyler Thornburg along with Mauricio Dubon uh, really the only truly horrible trade of the Dave Dombrowski era, but it was truly, truly horrible. Um, that said, Shaw, after two very good seasons in Milwaukee, his last three seasons have been pretty terrible. Uh, This year he signed a minor league deal with Milwaukee, only played 56 games, got hurt, uh, had a 68 WRC plus before getting hurt. Uh, So the Red Sox are picking up a guy who hasn't really been that great, uh, but he is going to take the spot of Franchi Cordero, be that left-handed first base option, um, at least for the time being. Given the way that Shaw has played in recent years, is he much of an upgrade over Franchi Cordero?
1: It does not appear he is but it's incredible fan service on the cheap if nothing else i mean much like the trade deadline this is uh i don't think the fact that he's a former red sox probably had anything to do with it and had everything to do with it he calls nothing you know just that's the way they're operating that it dovetailed with uh an incredible fan service measure is, is, a, uh, is a nice touch, but if he hadn't played for the Red Sox before, I would find it hard to get too excited about this. And I'm not expecting much. Of course, if he does anything, it's going to get blown entirely out of proportion and people are going to go nuts. And um, I know how much, that trade hurt you personally because Dubon.
0: Yeah. It wasn't the shot part of it so much, but yeah.
1: For those who don't know or remember after the trade, <laughs> Matt hadn't even logged onto Twitter. Mauricio Dubon wrote to Matt saying "I know, something like, I know this sucks, but thank you for all your support. Proactively reached out to Matt. To no, thank that's him not, for all his support.
0: That wasn't exactly. I, I I didn't say anything specifically about the trade. I just tweeted oh, like, "God yeah. damn it," or something like that. But yes, he knew. That's what it he was. knew what I was referring to.
1: Yes, you did not tag him. You did not. Re- no. You did not say anything. Yeah. Okay. That's still pretty proactive on. This <laughs> part. But uh, it was funny. But anyhow, I, I don't know if you d- think anything different. I don't know if they're going to be able I... to unlock Travis Shaw. You might think they will. I don't. Necessary. i mean i guess it depends what you mean
0: by unlock travis shaw um i definitely think he's an upgrade over cordero um because cordero has been almost impossibly bad this season um something that surprised me when i was looking at his numbers um after he just got sent down he was actually worse in this more recent stint by ops than he was in his initial stint in the majors at the start of the year, which seems impossible, uh, but he was. Um, And, I mean, Cordero was doing okay at first base. I didn't think he was like playing egregiously over there or anything, but Travis Shaw is actually a first baseman. So if he can be better than impossibly bad at the plate while also being an actual first baseman, I mean, the upgrade is pretty clear, even if he's not that great of a player in and of itself. In terms of what I expect from Shaw, I think there is something to be said about the potential for him to get some sort of boost coming back to Boston, like you said, he he was sort of a cult hero. I never really understood the fascination with Travis Shaw. To be honest, I think it was is he the mayor? Ninety 99- nine Long city, yeah. Him? I was gonna say, I think that's like the reason he was so popular is because he got that nickname from I think it was, that was Carabas, Carabas um, yeah. who had, who handed that out. But I think there is. I mean, the fans do love him. He's going to get a reaction when he's back at Fenway, and I think that can. That kind of thing can make, get somebody hot for like two weeks. And when you only have six weeks left of the season, you'll take that. Um So, I mean, to me, this is not obviously as good as going to get one of the first basemen who are available at the deadline. But it is better than Franchi Cordero. It does give them some time to get Kyle Schwarber more familiar with first base, um, which I do want to talk about in a second. I don't think, I I think there will be problems if Travis Shaw is playing a major role on this roster down the stretch, but as something of a stopgap between when now and when Kyle Schwarber is ready to take the first base mantle a little more consistently, I think he's perfect and certainly much better than Franchi Cordero.
1: He's Doug Mankiewicz, but instead of everybody hating him, people like him. I um, loved when I mean. No, 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 no. I think that didn't it. Once he tried to keep the baseball, didn't it sort of come out that like he was not a very popular guy on the team? That was. I don't my, remember. It it might have yeah. been. I was
0: not paying as I was in high school at that time. I was. I had other. things. Yeah,
1: I. I um, it was my impression, and maybe I was wrong that he was not like particularly well liked on the Red Sox, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's a defense first move, frankly, and uh, Franchi's offense makes it also an offense move. Um, and I just want to point out that Franchi was, you know, he was so great in AAA, and people are saying, oh, you should bring up Yairo Munoz because he's got a 97-game hitting streak. Again, <laughs> AAA. But,
0: but... Munoz has been better
1: in the majors than Cordero ever has.
0: Okay, but I made the Munoz case, and I would just say that my biggest case there was that he was better than Cordero and Marwin Gonzalez, who are now both off the roster, anyways.
1: Yeah, I think this is just you know you're going to see, you know Shaw will start, but I think you're going to see a lot of Shaw in innings seven through nine of games that they get ahead, uh, as Schwarber gets more comfortable. If you know if they get ahead and wanna and want to pull him for defense, this is. They finally have a guy. They have, finally have a proper first baseman, and that's important. And the fact that he is the mayor of this particular ding dong city is just a <laughs> bonus.
0: So, do you, you do still think that they're going to play Schwarber at first? Because I've seen some people, including Ian Brown, which kind of surprised me. Um, he's a beat writer at Socks.com, in case you don't know Ian Brown. He had thought that. Bringing in Shaw indicated to him that they were abandoning plans to play Kyle Schwarber at first. I disagree with that. I don't have any inside information to that point, but it it would be surprising to me if that was their takeaway from this. Do you still think they're going to give Schwarber that time, at least give him a
1: chance to play first base? I think he will get a chance to play first base. And if he turns out to be dreadful, then maybe Shaw plays more often. But this strikes me as a... Um, maybe a stopgap until Schwarber is ready to try it out and a defensive replacement move. Um, I mean, it's a pure depth move. They didn't go trade for him when they had the chance, and it obviously wouldn't have cost very much. Uh, so anything he gives offensively is a bonus. And I still think. I mean, I we have our we have our uh, i itinerary of stuff to get to here, but you know it all depends on a lot of things like how the outfield plays, how Jaron Duran is, is or is not able to stick. There's a lot of pieces you can move around, which is what the most baseball teams nowadays like they, they like interchangeable pieces. But my instinct with Shaw is that he is not signed to be the everyday first baseman because I don't think anything in his uh, current profile suggests that he's capable of that. However, situationally, he could be very valuable. And I think that's that would be my guess uh, that this is not pulling the plug on the Schwarber experiment.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, I I do kind of feel like there it gives them more time to slow play Schwarber at first base they don't have to rush him into it especially since he didn't get any rehab appearances um I think they would have liked to have him play first in a rehab at least one rehab appearance but obviously with the team playing the way it was before that Baltimore series they needed his bat in the lineup as soon as they could possibly get it um I kind of wonder if they're just going to hold off on Schwarber playing first until September and then they the roster's only expand by 2 this year so you don't get a ton more flexibility but it is easier to keep Shaw on the lo- Shaw, Dahlbeck and Schwarber on the roster all of which are playing a lot of first base. I think that can make a little more sense. Um, but I'm with you. I I think it would be kind of crazy to think that Travis Shaw just changes the whole plan for Kyle Schwarber. I mean, I know we all love Travis Shaw, but he's he's just not that kind of player anymore. Um We had a couple of questions related to the first base situation, so I figured this was a good spot for it. Um, Starting with uh, Theater Nation, I wanted to know if Bobby Dahlbeck's recent hot streak, and he has been very hot, um, is if we're still going to see a straight platoon with Shaw and Dahlbeck, where Shaw is playing against the right-handed pitchers and Dahlbeck's playing against the lefties. Um, And just for context on that Dahlbeck Dahlbeck stat, um, he has... I believe he has a like 143 WRC plus in the second half. Um, he has been he has been good. Um, do you think that they're going to go with a straight platoon still? Do you think Shaw's going to see all or most of the time against righties with Dahlbeck
1: only playing against lefties? I would guess that it's. I mean, I don't know. I. I'm happy Bobby Dalbeck has been hot, but I, if you look at the, and I noted this on Twitter and people say, oh, I'm better. He hits them and he misses them. If you look at these home runs, he's been hitting many of them against the Orioles. He's, and you got to do this, just tattooing meatballs. All credit in the world to Bobby Dalbeck hitting meatballs, but there's never been a question that Bobby Dalbec could hit a meatball just don't know how many more meatballs are forthcoming i hope many many meatballs look if the yankees want to be super italian give us those meatballs guys come on <laughs> give us those gallo and rizzo meatballs ah mama rizzo <laughs> give us the meatballs but it, i think however that the trade deadline in action suggests that yes bobby's going to be um, heavily involved but i don't i'm not changing i would i would guess that it's going to be a a straight-ish platoon um given bobby's considerable struggles against non-italian cooking (laughs) i
0: I think i actually disagree with this one i think Dalbeck's style of hitting is i mean it's obviously not an uncommon one in today's game but players like him who swing and miss a lot but also hit for big power are very streaky and right now he's on the right side of that streak for pretty much the first time this season so i think as long as he's hitting like this i would especially when the other option is travis shaw who again really has not been that good for three years um I think in that case, you just keep playing Bobby Dalbeck and Travis Shaw starts sometimes, but I would, I would give Bobby Dalbeck obviously all the starts against lefties. And I would probably give him at least half the starts against righties too. Um, once Kyle Schwarber is into the mix, everything changes, and we can see how Dahlbeck's hitting. Then um, he is still striking out a, a ton, even um, as he's hitting better. Although in August he's got the rate down below thirty percent for the first time this year, and he is walking more. So there, I mean, there are good signs in a small sample, but I mean, just given the profile of hitter he is, I think you just play the hot hand until it stops being hot, and then you. Reevaluate. I don't expect Dahlbeck to swing like this for the rest of the season, just based on everything we've seen all season. But as long as he is, I mean, we've seen it from somebody like Hunter Renfro already this year, and I think Renfro's a better hitter, but similar kind of guy who can swing and miss a lot. When they're hot, just let them go. Just let them
1: cook until they're not
0: anymore, and then reevaluate from there.
1: Well, I don't disagree, but I just want to point out that like his – He has three really big games in the last week, and one of them was in the 20-run game where when stuff gets that out of hand, I'm not sure the stats are representative. I mean, they're representative that, you know, they count. And then two were against the Orioles where he hit three home runs total. So again, I, I hope you're right about this being a hot streak. I just think that
0: I mean he's got I was wrong on his numbers earlier. I, I had his career page up instead of just the season, but he's got a one thirty WRC plus since the All-Star break. I mean, that's more than just a couple of big games. And it, look, I, I mean there are still that, issues. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it is true. I guess I'd have to he
1: look was. at his game logs, but Yeah, he was like I, seven for eleven uh, with three home runs over those games. That could be thirty of those points. And sure, if he's just a hundred Other than that, that's fine. But I'm, I'm not buying. Like, if he's an average hitter, that's great, and he'll play a lot. And that's, I think that I don't think he's going to be. Well, I guess my biggest, my bigger point is that
0: it's Travis Shaw is the other option. Yeah. Um, Okay. That's like I said. Once Kyle Schwarber can play first base, then I think you go straight platoon. Um, Dahlbeck only plays against lefties but for the time being I don't mind seeing how the hot streak goes because I'm not that eager to get Travis Shaw's bat in the lineup
1: that's fair that's fair I think I agree with that now that you say it um, one more question
0: about first base not necessarily about these guys although maybe um, Red Sox South podcasts. I don't know if they're our rivals or our friends um, they want to know who mans first base on opening day next season
1: My guess would be Bobby Dahlbeck.
0: Yeah, I'm... That's probably right. It's really hard to say right now, because, again, Dahlbeck has been really hot, and if that continues, at least to some extent, the rest of the way, then it makes the decision easier. I want to, I, you know, I really want to say Tristan Casas. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that'll happen at some point next season, not early in the year. I guess it probably will be Dahlbeck. If it's not Dahlbeck, I think it'll be like a third-tier free agent, like a CJ Krohn type that we were talking about as a potential trade target. I think we could see somebody like that signed as a free agent. Um, but I don't think it's going to be any – I don't think it's going to be like Anthony Rizzo or anything like that. I think it'll either be Dahlbeck or some – Some free agent that they signed for like three million dollars.
1: That, yeah, yeah. And so I, I agree, but I think that again, their, their non action at the deadline suggests that they're riding the Dahlbeck plus whoever miasma until Casas is ready, which I, I'm just guessing, like you would, will not be at the beginning of next year.
0: And I mean, I think it makes sense not to go too crazy for a first baseman this offseason if you assume that they are big believers in Tristan Casas which I think they are um it doesn't really is anyone not a big believer in
1: Tristan Casas
0: I have seen some people say he's overrated um and he has been for as good as he was in the Olympics his actual minor league season has been just kind of fine rather than good but I I mean I'm still a big Tristan Casas guy. He's still the top prospect in the organization to me, but um, I have seen some concern. But I do not. I do not really share them.
1: You think he's above Meyer? I think so for now.
0: Um, I mean, that might change by the time next year starts. But Meyer has played like two professional games, so I'd like to see a little. Well, bit more were they good you know. or not? No, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <They're> okay. <laughs> <laughs> a couple more things I wanted to get to before the end of the show. Um, and I want to get back to Kyle Schwarber, not so much defensively, but offensively, um, that is obviously why they traded for him. The first base thing is more just how to get his bat in the lineup consistently, but just offensively where rest of season, where is he ranked
1: for you in this lineup? I mean, I think he's fourth to me. I mean, the guy can hit. There's no question about that. Um, Behind the big three guys, I think he's probably the most consistent hitter uh, besides those three. Do you disagree?
0: I kind of want to. Um, I mean, I think he's definitely not... I definitely wouldn't put him above Bogart, Severance, Martinez, which I assume is what you meant by the big three. Um, I... He does kind of concern me a little bit because he's another one of these guys that strikes out a lot, and it's not hard to see him hitting a cold streak. He's as good as he's been this year. It's kind of been at a pace that we've never really seen from him before, and it was ultimately just like half a season. Um, And you have guys, I mean, Kike Hernandez has been kind of quietly incredible since I think I saw a stat yesterday from the Red Sox account. I might be butchering this, but I want to say it was from the start of July. He had the highest OPP in baseball. Um, he hit for some power. Renfro's been heating up again lately. I could see either of those guys being better than Schwarber, but I think if I had to pick somebody, it's hard to bet against Schwarber. I mean, the guy, the guy can. We saw it earlier this year. The guy can hit a home run every single day. Um, which is just something that those other guys can't. But I, I agree that he's definitely, I would definitely put him a tier below Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez. I don't know if you have him closer to those guys than maybe some of the other guys, but I think he's definitely below those guys.
1: Yeah, but he's just, I mean, he's one of these guys to me. He's just professional hitter. That's what he does. So I'm not really worried about the bat. I know the strikeouts, yes, but they knew that And he does in. draw a lot of
0: walks too. He he does yep. that's something that bobby delbeck has not done as i said um, he's like an emissary
1: from the 2004 team just showed <laughs> up yeah um
0: so before tuesday's game and i don't think either of us here really have much to say about this but it should be mentioned uh josh taylor came back from the COVID list and they need to make room on the 40 man so matt and Therese was designated for an assignment that entries um was not good when he pitched. Uh, for the most part, Haim Bloom's offseason additions have gone reasonably well. um Andres was the exception to that. So, Therese is off the 40-man. Uh, we'll see if he stays in the organization. My guess is he will not, but we'll see about that. But uh, he is gone. Anything to say about Matt Therese? Bye. Yeah, that's about it um Right. quick quick look at the minors uh baseball america are updated their farm system rankings and the red sox started the year in 20th they are now number nine on that list a major jump forward for the farm system uh marcella meyer who you just mentioned a big reason for that um They have three prospects in B.A.'s top 100. Tristan Costas is 20, Jaron Duran is 22, and Meyer is 32. Uh, So Red Sox coming at number 9. They are still third in the division for whatever that's worth. Baltimore is number 2, Tampa is number 7, and uh, Toronto is right behind them at number 10. But that jump from 20 to 9 is significant. Are you surprised by how high they've jumped? I think we all expected a jump, but are you surprised by how significant it was?
1: I guess, but I would imagine that that is also a product of graduations from other teams. So, um, but when a that happens when you get the best player in a draft, and B, imagine how much better it would be if they had Judd Fabian.
0: <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Although I'm not sure how, but I also PA think specifically I,
1: felt about it. I, I think it, but I also think it reflects the conventional wisdom on Cassis too, um, obviously. And like Noah Song, he's because it's like he's he's a he's a real guy now. It's not like a pipe dream that he'll pitch for the Red Sox f- far into the future. Just all these guys are like Song isn't hardly near the top of the list, but they got a lot of guys. They got a lot of guys. Downs, Downs the quietest. The quietest Red Sox prospect. He's having just a terrible season. Um, Let's trade him again, baby.
0: (laughs) I think, I mean, to me, this reflects more than anything. The fact that coming into the season, it was pretty much impossible to do any sort of prospect rankings. Um, I think the Red Sox had. Their farms, I think their their farm system coming into the season was better than twentieth, um, but it was hard to really make any changes because they didn't play minor league baseball last season. So I mean, I think we knew that Jaron Duran took that step forward at the alternate site last season, but I don't really blame outlets for not giving him a huge boost because it was just the alternate site. I think we knew it wasn't that wasn't just the York, alternate
1: site. It wasn't just the alternate site, and I mean, the
0: Winter it. Leagues. But those are still—I mean, it's still just a different environment. I don't necessarily. Yeah, but he play. ripped it up. Well, he, he did. the thing
1: is, he had a lot of power, and that was the that was the big hole in this game. So that was, but it was still. I mean, I, I think it was fair to hold off
0: until you saw that power play in more real games. I guess I don't know. Winter League is still different because those guys are not. I don't think they're. Always throwing it 100% because they're still getting ready for the summer. I don't know. It's a different. I don't blame. I guess I just saying I don't blame the outlets for not making any moves. And it wasn't just the Red Sox. Their preseason farm system rankings was basically the same as the year before um, because they just couldn't change anything. And I mean, somebody like Nick York obviously was not that highly touted coming into the draft. And there were reasons, again, at the alternate site to be excited about him, but they didn't get to see him against major competition so they can um, give the Red Sox that boost. Somebody like Brian Bayo was showing signs of sign- breaking out. So I think the Red Sox had these pieces that were ready to break out um, and the lack of minor league season made the jump look bigger than it is. That said, I mean, the these breakouts are real and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's well earned. I think obviously we all agree that the goal for a baseball team, is not to get the best farm system. Um, you use the farm system to improve the majors, and that's the hard part: is figuring out which prospects to trade, which prospects to keep, what to do with everybody. Um, so the real fun starts now. But this was one of the reasons Bloom was brought in, and I think he's getting a little too much credit for what the farm system's doing. Duran and Casas were not brought in by him, um, but he has he has the farm system now. It's time to see what he can do with it. Agreed. Um, I'm going to skip a few things here uh, so we can finish this before the game starts uh, but there are before we uh, finish there are a couple of players coming back uh, from injury no exact timeline yet but they are, one's rehabbing one is about to start rehabbing uh, the one about, about to start rehabbing is Christian Arroyo Um, and Jaron Duran has struggled, we've talked even before he got called up About that jump from AAA, you talked about with Cordero. Um, We're seeing it a little bit with Duran, too. Um, He's striking out a ton. With Christian Arroyo coming back, Kike Hernandez playing like he is, all the outfielders playing like they are, do you think Duran goes back down? Is, Is there a chance of that when Arroyo comes back?
1: I don't think he will. I think that... As I've talked about before, his his ability to be a situational player, like a, the runner on second in the regular season, pinch runner in the postseason, um, combined with the plan of bringing him up, where you said, putting words in your mouth uh, repeatedly, that like the, the plan is to keep him up. I think that they will stick to that plan. I I definitely think
0: they should. I'm not positive that they will. I think if he does go down, he would come right back up September 1st, either way. But assuming that they're going to send Arauz down on Wednesday to go back to the three-man bench, if, when Arroyo comes back up, I don't know who else it would be unless they go to a four-man bench again, um, which I think would make the most sense and just send Austin Davis down or something. Or I mean, I don't care. Pick one of those bottom-tier relievers on the, still on the roster and get rid of them. But if they do want to keep with the three-man bench, I don't really know who else is going to go down to make room for Arroyo. So I think it really comes down to if they want to keep the bullpen. At this point in the season, I don't know why you need like four long relievers. Um, but it really seems like if they're going to send out a position player, I don't, Duran
1: seems like the only option to me. I agree. I hope they don't do it, but we'll see. And I agree with you that it would be temporary. So yeah, it
0: would be for like a week anyways, which isn't the end of the world, but it is, it could be a little frustrating. Um, So the other guy, the last thing I want to talk about, uh, Ryan Brazier has been sort of a forgotten man. Um, he had a bunch of issues before the season, both personal and uh, injury-wise. Never really got going. He's finally been rehabbing for about a week or so now. Um, hasn't been going super great, but the Red Sox are pushing along. Um, they're hoping to get him in back-to-back days uh, for Worcester, I think at some point in the middle of this week. Uh, so presumably presumably he should be back within the next week or two. Um, and Brazier kind of quietly had a pretty good year last year he was obviously incredible in 2018 um do you think he's in terms of like trust level in the bullpen do you think he's closer to someone like sawamora or adovino the guys who are in the bottom of the good tier or somebody like hansel robles who seems to be at the top of
1: the bad tier well with me i don't have any idea but the idea that alex cora is running the ship makes me believe maybe maybe the 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 uh, tier because he probably has fond memories of Ryan Brazier, but I honestly just don't know. It just depends on how he's pitching. You know, he's a reliever; could be gone. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's that's pretty much right. He's I I certainly
0: wouldn't be throwing him in high lever spots as soon as he gets back, especially. Um, he's had a couple of really bad rehab outings. so um, I've always thought that Brazo was a little underrated, but at the same time, he's 33 years old, hasn't pitched all season, so um, I think he could be a great wild card for this bullpen, but I, right now, I would consider him as a Hansel Ropelis until he proves otherwise. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today's show. Um, in our time, the Red Sox game is going to start in about four minutes, so i'd like to go watch that but uh if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts uh leave us a rating and review uh you can follow us on twitter uh i run the over the monster account at over the monster and brian is at brian joiner brian with a y joiner with an i and uh we will be back with you next week